I'm so used to talking about sex. I'm so interested in sex, but I have to, we have to, not just me, but we have to remind ourselves, not everybody is in that place, in that same, in that same space, that same headspace, like emotionally, physically. Some people aren't that interested in sex and that's also okay. Like our desire for sex um, is on a spectrum and what might be normal for one person isn't gonna be the same for another person. You're listening to The Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You are tuning in to episode 221 of The Well Woman Podcast. We're talking about a really fun topic today on the show, and I just want to preface this that I am in recovery from a chest infection as I record this, so I sound a little bit husky, which is perfect alignment for the fact we're talking about libido and sex in today's podcast episode. We are joined by an amazing guest, Venus. She is a qualified sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and training as a clinical sexologist at the moment. She, for the last three years, has been working in the field of sex education, sex toys, pleasure, endometriosis awareness, and helping others when it comes to sexual wellness, intimacy, dating, and relationships. I found Venus online and I was like, we need this woman to talk to us about sex and libido. And that's exactly what we're doing in this episode. We are talking about understanding your desire, understanding your libido and how it changes throughout your cycle bodily changes that come with your libido changes. We talk about understanding your body, the different types of deal breakers that might be out there, ticking the boxes when it comes to dating, changes that can affect our libido in our lifestyle, and also ways that we can increase our libido. There's lots and lots and lots in this episode, and I really had so much fun recording with Venus. She's a beautiful ball of energy from the UK, and I can't wait for you to dive into this episode and learn about libido for yourself. So what I will preface for you when you are joining and or basically tuning into this episode is I want you to think about, well, what is my libido telling me and how does that communicate to me throughout my menstrual cycle right now? And what is this episode going to teach me? But also what would I like to learn from this episode? So a couple of questions to ask yourself before you dive in. So enjoy. Venus, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited too especially because I don't often interview many people from the UK because our time differences are so different. So I'm very excited that you're here and we're talking about such a juicy topic. So thank you. No, I know. I was very, it was very confusing for us to try and find the right time and date. Wasn't it? I was so confused. I don't do well with numbers and time, but I'm so glad we've made this work because I'm really excited to talk about these things too. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Me too. And I, I think that's a good little insight to, what people don't hear or don't see behind the scenes of what actually happens when you run a podcast or are a podcast guest in trying to organize a time to meet, to record the episode. Um, there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes. So thank you for being here already. Well, before we oh, actually landed yeah. on zoom. All right. Well, <laughs> let's, let me ask you our first podcast question. I love asking our guests this particular question. But Venus, what day of your menstrual cycle are you on today and how are you tuning in and checking in in this moment? That's a really good question. And I 
obviously I didn't know you were going to ask me this question <laughs> um but it's really difficult for me at the moment because I don't bleed um I have endometriosis so sometimes um knowing where I am on my cycle is really difficult and I've recently had surgery and a coil fitted so I think I am in my ovulation stage but I'm not 100% sure <laughs> that's where I'm going to say I am I'm mm. very confused basically the problem solver in me is like let's sit down and let's discuss this I know um, and as a natural fertility educator, like I work with a lot of different clients and like, for example, I've got a client at the moment who's had an ablation, which is where you get the inside of your uterus, like your uterine lining burnt away. So you actually never menstruate. Mm. It's not yeah. a surgery that I recommend, but she came to me as a client to like, I don't know, I don't actually bleed. So when is my cycle starting and when am I actually ending my cycle and where are my phases and so it's mm. a similar concept for you being like I actually don't know where I am so the same question is like well where are my phases like what phase am I in and I love that and I'm like oh if we could tap into the natural fertility tracking methods right now we can find that out but I'm sure you're very aware of the topic we're going to talk about today libido and how that might be rising mm. for you right now if you feel like you you're ovulatory yeah I mean funny enough I do go off both my skin and my and my and my libido so that's kind of the way I track it is um you know I know when um my skin flares up I know what stage I'm in or although that's quite here and there but mainly I do go off my libido so yeah it's really it's really interesting because you know when you do start to track your cycle and understand where you are you can then start to understand your your libido itself mm. it's really interesting and people don't know that they don't. And that's why you're here. And I've wanted to have this conversation for so long about libido. And I'm so glad that I stumbled across you online. So thank you so much for saying yes. And I guess this, a, a great segue here is I'd love for you to share with us, Venus, like how did you become a sex educator? And I know you mentioned about endometriosis and I know you're very passionate about endo awareness, but how did you actually come into the the realm and the field of sexual education, relationship, sexology. I know that's something you're doing at the moment. Mm. How did you get into this world? Like, did you just wake up as like a seven-year-old and be like, I'm going to work in the field of sex? Like, how does that actually work? <laughs> um, it's kind of, a, a, it's an interesting journey, I guess, because I actually have a background in art. So I've never really been interested, like I've never realized I've my connection towards like having an interest in sex although I was very like sexually um connected to myself from a very young age in terms of like um masturbating at quite a young age being very sex like sexually curious um questioning my sexuality quite a lot at a young age um but when I was you know when I was a young girl and a teenager growing up nobody was talking about sex openly like we are today so I was left very confused and with a lot of questions and nowhere to really turn. Um, and then it wasn't till my late 20s, I would say, I started to really like, I guess at the time when I was on social media and starting to grow an Instagram page, I guess, that I started to see like, oh, it's okay to like talk about sex and people are talking about it online. And, you know, Instagram has been a great platform for opening up those conversations. And I guess opening my mind to it to a point where I thought you know I'm actually really curious about this topic and I was diving more and more into it 
diving more into it with my work. So I started out on social media as an illustrator and drawing about the, like just female bodies and like genitalia and talking about, you know, what do women really do in the bedroom when no one's Love looking? This. And yeah, so that's kind of how I like made my way into talking about it um, was through art. And then I kind of moved away from art slowly when um, brands were starting to like work with me and wanted to send me sex toys. And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm, I'm so excited about this and this conversation. Um, and then I had an idea to make a, a show um, which was sponsored by Womanizer, which thank you, Womanizer, I love you guys so much. Um, and it was basically a show here in the UK, which you can watch on my YouTube channel where I wanted to explore the, the topics and the themes around sex and identity and dating and relationships from all kind of aspects, really, you know, whether that's from someone who's um, just gone through cervical cancer and how they're dealing with their sex life to um, the trans experience when it comes to dating and sex, because nobody was really talking about it at that time. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have these conversations that were at the time seen as quite taboo and scary, but thankfully they aren't so much now. Um, and since then, I've just kind of progressed myself into becoming a sex educator and really understanding the things I'm talking about to um, now training as a clinical sexologist and relationships therapist um, to now having a coaching business. So, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> so dynamically different, but I love the segue of the transitional time. And I think, um, you know, I really remember I've been on Instagram for like, God forever. My background's in photography. So I actually got on Instagram because it was a photography app. And, um, you know, I think it was back in 2010 or something. And I do very specifically remember the transitional time when I started to see the first illustrations of, you know, female bits, you could say, like not just, you know, the vulva and the vagina and the yoni and all the things, but nipples and all the things. And um, I was like, wow, people are drawing these things now. And it's so fascinating that you're here and you're now, a, you know, a sexual educator. And I think that similar to you as a, as a teenager, a tweener and a teen is that there's a lot of missed opportunities. And I think even sex ed at school isn't really sexual education. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, we need a whole rewrite on sex ed and we need a whole separate education on period ed. And um, I love that you're out there educating on it and I love your story. So thank you for sharing that oh, journey. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And it's so interesting to you. You were a photographer. So you both came from that like artistic mm. direction and it kind of just, it kind of makes sense really. Like I talk about this quite a lot in my training as a clinical sexologist and how useful those skills as like a creative come into playing a part as an educator. It's like the crossover is really interesting, I think. And also running a business too. I find mm. like having the visual experience. So I actually studied fashion out of school. This podcast episode is not about me, <laughs> but quickly I studied fashion out of school and I actually did a um, a clothing alterations traineeship when I was 15. And I started wow. I, every once a week, I wouldn't go to school on a Wednesday and I would catch the bus to what felt like suburbs and suburbs and suburbs away as a teenager, which is really only like a 15, 20 minute drive as an adult. And um, yeah, I used to go into this, you know, clothing manufacturing place and I used to make and help support them sew their clothes. And so I studied fashion after school and then I became a swimwear designer, making swimwear and dye sublimating, printing the swimwear and then selling it online, which was such a far out concept 
God, how old am I? So I'm 37 this year. And that was when I was like 19, 20. And I used to run this manufacturing warehouse for this woman. And long story short, I somehow transitioned into nutrition. And then that led me to coaching. And yeah, it's very dynamic. And I feel that having multiple experiences in different industries actually can support you continually in evolving and growing rather than being static. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story too. It's really <laughs> lovely to hear as well. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but let's talk about libido. This is the whole reason why we're here. And I feel like we could just talk about all different types of topics, but there's a lot of miscom like miscommunication, misunderstanding about libido and the menstrual cycle. And I think it, the foundation to that, like a great place to start is like, well, what is libido and how can we actually have a better understanding of what our libido is? Because there's a lot of people, and I love that you're a relationship coach too, because there's a lot of people who are in relationships and it's when they're in the relationship that they're like, oh, I actually don't really feel like I want to have sex with that person anymore. Or right now I'm not, I'm in a, a no sex zone in my life. Whereas when you're single, you, you, you kind of a, this self-independent person where you get to choose and have a little bit more self, like control, you could say, whereas in a relationship, there's other people involved. And then you've also got your own self-pleasure, you know, that you do. So it's very dynamic. And I think people get very confused and just like sex ed isn't properly educated on, I think libido is really missed out on that. So can you help us understand like what libido is and desire? Yeah, I think that's probably the, the most important question, isn't it? Is what is libido? What is what is this word that we, you know, we often talk about? And I think the the clear way to put it is like libido is just another word for sexual desire. So that's just our want or interest in engaging in sexual in sexual activity. Um, and the most important thing and the most interesting thing that kind of becomes an issue in most relationships is that we don't know that desire shows up differently for men and women. And sometimes our, our experience of desire are very much dependent on context, which is something I have recently learned. Um, and, you know, unless you know these things, you just don't know. So you, you sometimes, you know, people come to me and think something's wrong with me or I'm broken or I don't love my partner anymore because I don't want to have sex right now. And there's so many things that affect our libido or our desire for sex um and it's just about like educating people on this to realize like it's okay because the more we stress about it the more we, we want we want it less because we are going into that state of like oh my gosh worry and oh my god why do I not want it so we get ourselves into like this spiraling hole of you know not wanting sex um so I think the best way to like describe it and this is something I've learned from um I don't know if you, if you know who Emily Nagoski is um but she breaks it down quite easily um so desire shows up differently like I said for men and women and it's in kind of three ways um so you have spontaneous desire which is the way that we all kind of have it through tv I guess and the media have believed that sex should show up like oh my gosh we should just always want sex when it's presented to us right and that's not true. Um, there's also like responsive desire. So you can have, that's when desire shows up in response to stimuli. So, you know, meaning something sexy, sexy actually has to happen um, for you to, um, for your body to then respond to wanting sex. Um, and then the third one is contextual desire. So like 
you know, the circumstances, the environment, like everything around you needs to be working just right in order for you to feel like sexy. Um, and these can all show up differently at different times throughout our lives and for different genders. So once we start to understand that, we can be like, oh, okay, maybe the, my environment's not right at the moment, or maybe mentally I'm not in the right place to be wanting sex, or maybe it's just not showing up for me in the right way. So once we understand that, like it's like, like it all makes sense, right? It's like a total light bulb goes off and you're like, I feel really hurt right now. Like yeah. that makes so much sense. Like it's not until someone else initiates that I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm in it. And that's very much responsive. And I love that you mentioned Emily because oh, what's her book? Oh, it's, um, it's Come a pink. Yes. And the we workbook, actually- yeah. We, um, my partner and I, that was, we did a three month trip across the top end of Australia camping last year. And, um, that was one of the audiobooks that we listened to as a partnership oh, wow. driving in the car. And, um, I actually learned in that book about the testes and the line on the ball sack, the scrotum, mm. actually how that once was going to be the opening to the yoni. If that person was yeah. going to be born female. And I was just like, what, this is it. How did I not know this? So <laughs> it's a really like little plug for Emily. It's a great book. Come as you are. And, um, I love how she does talk about these things because there's a lot of people out there who might not be spontaneous and might not be res- you know, responsive, for example, and I think that I love that you mentioned about media and movies and, you know, oh, it's because they were desired, you know, Rapunzel, come save me, you know, mm. that, you know, we live in this world that we think that I have to be lusted over before something happens. And if that's not how you get turned on, that's not, mm-hmm. you know, or that person doesn't realize this thing is your deal breaker. Like my partner, he does a few things that I'm like, babe, that is so disgusting. That's a fucking <laughs> deal breaker. And he's like, what this? I'm like, yeah, that. And um, <laughs> it just, yeah, just lots of little things. And I think understanding that is so eye-opening that like you mentioned, it's that, like, that light bulb is like, oh, mm. oh, I'm actually normal. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when we talk about the changing or the different types of desire and how we seek, you know, sexual experience and then look at libido, what have you seen in your clients and the people who you meet in your communities online around changing libido? I think for me, what I see within my own clients um, is a fear of um, the mismatch, I guess, the desire discrepancy, we call it. So when, you know, one person is, um, their libido is higher than their partners and then, you know, friction and like headbanging starts to happen because it's like, well, I want sex with you, but you don't want it at this time. And and this is where the problem comes, right? Because there's that lack of communication between two people and expecting a certain something or a certain reaction out of an individual. Um, because again, like what we've seen in social media, like, you know, if we're not walking in from work and standing there in our lingerie and expecting to have sex with a partner straight away, like something must be wrong. And then this is when, you know, unfortunately people tend to wonder or explore outside of the relationship. Um, and relationship problems start to happen because they're not communicating with each other as to, you know, why sex might not be happening right now between the two or why might they might be, the sexual desire might not be there. Um, so I'm always having that conversation with my clients about breaking it right down to the basics of like, what does sex mean to you? What do you want to get from sex? This is a collaborative experience that you need to have with your partner. They're not mind readers. Um, 
and you need to talk with each other about these things but it's it's not as it's like it's not as simple as just that it's that you have to go back to basics and understand yourself and your body first right so you need to you need to be in a position where you know how your desire shows up you know the things that are kind of your turn on and your turns off you need to understand that about yourself and then we can talk about okay how can we have that conversation with our partner and start to reconnect um and make sense of it and compromise that big word of like okay I don't want it at this time and this is what I need you to do to make me feel like turned on or like want to have sex with you or engage in sexual activity with you or like to get the juices flowing um but it's that people find that that conversation scary with each other even after Mm. years and years of marriage because it's just expected right yeah and it's very daunting and a lot of the time I find that topic of conversation is very uncomfortable. Now I'm not a sex coach and I'm not a sexual educator, but as a natural fertility educator and a menstrual cycle educator, the topic of sex comes up a lot. And, Mm. you know, a lot of the times it's to do with arousal fluid versus cervical mucus and people don't even know that there's a difference. And so when I'm doing fertility tracking with clients, you know, I need to know when they're self-pleasuring or when they're sexually active and, it doesn't even have to be penetrative sex, but that could change their arousal fluid or cervical mucus. And so knowing that data is actually really, really beneficial, but there's a lot of hesitation. And I think, oh, I've focused really hard in my practice at creating a really safe space so that they just feel like they can just open up about all the things. And a lot of the time, I would say like more than 80% of the time with clients are like, I've actually never really talked to anyone else about this. I've never really openly discussed that. Yeah. It's really just like, oh, okay. Well, I talk about this stuff all the time. So (laughs) like, this is like me doing a a Brazilian wax. Like the the person going to get the wax is like, I don't do this often, but the wax is like, dude, I see so many fucking yonings all like every day. (laughs) Like, do you know, this is just my job. I don't even recognize anyway. So it's, um, it's, it's just an interesting one because I feel that we've, like, I don't know when you were born, but being an eighties baby that, you know, we weren't really growing up and I didn't hear, have any role models talking about these topics. And like you said, it comes back to understanding your body and that's like, okay, well, what do I like? And what am I being called for? And taking ownership and communication is key in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I know that with my partner and, you know, just, I could rant about a lot of topics on this, on this area right (laughs) now with him. I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course, a simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish you had have been taught at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and your cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over thousands of women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. Use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off at wellsome.com forward slash shop. Knowing your body is so important. And so I would love for you to open up about knowing our libido and something that you mentioned earlier about like the pressure of like how much, um, 
like came up for me because you were talking about the context. It's about to do with the context of like, when we're going to have sex or why we want to have sex or do I want to have sex with myself? Or am I feeling like I'm not having enough sex with myself? Pressure. I think there's this underlying pressure of like, well, this is how much sex you need to be having in a relationship. And this is how much you need to be self-pleasuring. So what would you like, can you speak to that? What would you say to the people listening about pressure? And like yeah, how much, like how much is good versus not good? And what's your insight on that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and it's something I have to kind of remind myself of quite a lot, actually, as someone who, like you said, like, I'm so used to talking about sex. I'm so interested in sex, but I have to, we have to, not just me, but we have to remind ourselves, not everybody is in that place, in that same, in that same space, that same headspace like emotionally, physically, some people aren't that interested in sex. And that's also okay. Like our desire for sex, um, it's on a spectrum. And what might be normal for one person isn't going to be the same for another person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, the best thing that we have to do for ourselves first and foremost is understand like, what, what do I want? Like you said, like taking that pressure of like, I actually don't want sex right now. That's okay. And I think that's like, you know, some, like I said, I'm something I'm very aware of right now as I like move through this space is that like not everybody wants to talk about sex. Not everybody wants to be sexually active. Um, and we have to remind ourselves that's OK. And especially like it's all over social media, you know, we're seeing so many more people like being more comfortable in their bodies and um, talking about uh, sex toys or our relationships and um exploring like things outside of the bedroom and but not everybody is like at that space and that's okay and like we need to hold time and space for those people too um and there is a lot of pressure right now and you know there's more and more shows like on netflix that are coming out talking about sex and this you know i remember talking to somebody um last year when um sex life came out and they're like i just don't understand why this show is like everyone's obsessed with this show and talking about sex like I don't I don't feel like that and I was like oh you're so right like that there are people that they're not interested in the conversation like yeah I think it's important that we take that pressure off remember like what's normal for you is okay but it isn't going to be normal for somebody else and we have to respect that and again that's just talking about going on to the theme of like boundaries I guess and knowing your deal breakers with your partner or knowing like, I don't want to have this conversation right now. It's not for me or, um, but yeah, I think, I think you just need to like hold yourself and be kind to yourself and protect your energy basically around this conversation because it is deep and it's meaningful. It's a lot of work. Um, It's not easy to reconnect with your body and to start exploring it, especially intimately. So yeah, it's just reminding yourself to like, to be kind to yourself and know what, what you want and what you need. Mm, I love that. And I think as much as there's so much on the social media world around, well, look at my body and I'm, I don't mind being this particular size and I own all these sex mm. toys or whatever it might be, is that you can also be yourself and be individual and you don't need to be like everybody else. And, yeah. you know, we're not sheep. You know, I don't know what the other animals to replace that with, but we're definitely not sheep. We don't have to follow each other. And I, I love that you said that because with the menstrual cycle, everyone really feels that, okay, well, this is the cookie cutter for the cycle. It needs to be 28 days long. And I, I 
you know, I've got a lot of free resources around the menstrual cycle out there and have for many years now. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, I was so upset. I had a 30 day cycle. I was like, dude, like the fact that you had a cycle is a great sign. Yeah. Like, why are you so obsessed with it being 28? It's like, oh, but 28 is like the healthiest. I'm like, well, the 28 day cycle actually came from the contraceptive pill. It has nothing to do with the menstrual cycle. They're like, oh yeah, but that's in tune with the moon. I'm like, the moon is a 29 and a half day cycle, not a 28 day cycle. They're like, really? I was like, yeah, see? So we don't have to always be the same. And the world Mm -hmm. where everyone is the same would be very boring. Very boring. Right? Yeah. That's such a good thing to remember. You're different and you're individual for a reason because you're not like anybody else. And every aspect of you is not going to be like somebody else. Um, But this is a, that's a really good point to make because again, coming back to like pressure um, is that we, we are never going to find somebody in our lives that want exactly the same things as us, especially Mm. when it comes to like, you know, that our wants and needs and desires in the bedroom. And if you do find somebody who wants exactly the same things as you and at exactly the same time, then wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. But also remember that's very rare and that's okay. Like we are so different and we're so unique. And so is our like, thoughts and wants and feelings and needs around desire and what what happens in the bedroom so yeah just remember that you're 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 so unique and different I love yeah I love I just love everything you say basically (laughs) but um what you were just saying around you know finding someone who likes and wants the same things as you it's kind of like that person who has the list is the tick box list of like well Mm. I'm dating and I'm looking for someone who's got this 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 and this and if I don't get eight out of the ten ticked I am not moving further forward with this particular person and Mm -hmm. I think that we need to like really relax our guard and actually be open and become open with ourselves creates openness with others I feel um could totally go on a rant on that topic but yeah I was gonna say I don't get started on that (laughs) you're a relationship coach you must talk about it all the time (laughs) Like, don't open that can of worms, Gemma. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so interesting and something that did pop up around that is that you might be very fortunate. I know I don't like to say lucky because I feel luck is like laboring under correct knowledge, which is not even correct knowledge anyway. But you're very fortunate. However, just because you ticked all the sexual boxes, what about all the other boxes in a relationship? Mm-hmm. You know, about like values around health and values around family and values around work and finance. And there's so many other things that, you know, there's always room for opportunity. And I think in a relationship, as long as both parties, regardless of whether it's heterosexuals, male and female, or female and female, male and male, or whoever, if it's a party of five people, who knows, but <laughs> it happens. But like, yeah. as long as both parties can turn up to the game, with, you know, a new uniform on, a new approach and the willing to learn and move through the motions of the game, you've got a winner in my sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that we put too much pressure on it. It's got to be like this and it's got to be like that. And yeah, like you said, we could talk about this forever. Anything you want to add? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's just, you just hit the nail on the head right there. I think that we, we forget that, um, yeah, people will show up differently. And it's how we how we view ourselves first and foremost and where our values and our boundaries are. So then open, when someone else comes into that relationship and we you align and you can like communicate when those things don't align also, um, that's when like magic really happens because like you're just, I, I don't know, I guess maybe it just comes with age. Like I've just 
I know myself so well yes. and where I stand um and you know my my wants and my like hard like nose um that you know when somebody comes into my life like I know I know what I want and that's a really powerful place to be in but it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and nobody's expected to like be there all the time mm-hmm. or if you're not there I'm like oh my gosh I don't even know what I want that's okay like it's forever changing um I think that's something else we forget that you know our needs and our wants do change over time and especially with age and especially as we delve into new relationships and we meet new people and we change and we try new things when it, especially when it comes to sex like you know there's things that I would never have tried like five years ago that I try now and I love that's because I'm in a place where like I know what I want um so yeah it just goes back to you again doesn't it like you putting yourself like front and center and understanding yourself so you can better understand others and they can understand you too because you know what you want mm, and like you said it does come with age but also recognizing where you are instead of trying to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I've been like, I am here. And something I always love to say when I work around the menstrual cycle and it applies to everything is that the only destination we have is death. And like, why are you rushing through this instead of enjoying the process and, you know, each and every cycle as it comes or each and every, every sexual experience as it comes, because if you're trying to rush the, to the end place, you know, you're the hare instead of in the tortoise enjoying the life. So anyway, (laughs) we could just keep chatting about this forever, but I do want to ask you about how does the libido change throughout the menstrual cycle? Because this is a big one that I see is that women are like, they can clue in and they know when they're close to their fertile phase of their cycle because they're like, dude, I just want to pounce on everything right now. But what does a healthy libido look like for a menstrual woman? And I say that because not all those who are born women menstruate. They might be on, say, an IUD or they might take the Depo-Vera shot and not menstruate. So for those who have a natural cycle and they are menstruating, what does a healthy you know, change and shift in libido look like throughout a menstrual cycle? That's a good question. Um, and one I'm really interested in as someone who has endometriosis because for, for a majority of my life, my libido was even non-existent um it wasn't very uh, it didn't match up to what it should be I guess or like what science was saying it should be so it's really interesting but I guess there's a lot to it I guess in terms of like the science um but I guess if in terms of we're saying like a normal um like sexual desire and a normal libido um like sexual desire has been found to like increase mid-cycle so like shortly after ovulation um and then like so like around I think it's around day day 10 like the estrogen levels start to rise and then the progesterone levels start to like begin to increase so you may feel your energy levels are like higher then um and this is when you are supposed to have like an increased libido so I guess that's the time to be like looking out for um, for like okay now I'm interested in sex now I know I'm feeling sexy I'm feeling good um, but then we also have um, I'm sure you know all this stuff but like cervical changes I guess as well and like the position of our cervix changing um, is is that true actually because I have like read that that happens but I'm still like I'm still aware that you know there's some like misinformation there with that and this is a great question. So is it around, does the cervix change in height? Yeah, like the position. 
It does. So I like to say um, like the cervix is like its own entity mm-hmm. in the sense that um, when I'm always sharing around the menstrual cycle, and if you'd like me to share what I say to my clients, is that um, when you're menstruating and coming closer to menstruation, it's kind of like your body is shutting down. It's a deep descent. And as you descend, your cervix is actually pulling closer to the edge of your yoni. And I always encourage clients, especially fertility clients, to get to know their cervix. And I always say, it feels like the edge of your nose. So if you touch your nose, it feels like the edge of your nose. And doing like using one finger to to measure how far your cervix is and doing that around when you think you might be very fertile, so really wet, slippery, moist, and then doing it just before you bleed or when you start bleeding. Because you can do it whilst you're menstruating too. That's totally fine. Um, and you get to know that, whoa, it's like really, there's no space down there. And that's when you're menstruating or close to menstruating. And when it's like, there's a whole room in there, we could have a party. That's when, you know, we could get very sexually talking and active here. But, you know, I always like, this is like the vagina is making space for the penis so that, you know, the sperm can arrive at a healthy aligned time, ready for the erupted ovum, the egg that is released into the fallopian tube. And um, the body knows when it really wants a penis and when it might not want the penis. And it does that, I say, by demonstrating the space and the, the space in the yoni. But that can also be tied into different sexual connections with a partner or self-pleasure because mm. you're more likely, you know, I'll pass this over to you now, but you're more likely to, for some women, experience a cervical orgasm closer to menstruation because your cervix is so much easier to reach if you're self-pleasuring. Yes. Whereas people, some women are like, oh my God, I've never had a cervical orgasm and I really want to do that. And I'm like, well, maybe you're trying at the wrong time of your cycle. Um, So do you want to add to that? Well, that's what I literally was going to say. So I, I'm very new to like learning about like periods and like when's the right time for like pleasure and like understanding all of that. So I was very curious to know like around that. So I'm glad I've learned something myself as well. Um, but yeah, awesome. I understand now I understand like you know, the position, the these changes in the position of your cervix may affect how like sex or penetration feels, which is something again, like I said, I have endometriosis. So I've been learning to navigate myself with my own body and like when's the right time that's not gonna be painful for me. Um, and the positions. Um, I'm really big on like helping people like learn different positions, especially when you have things like endometriosis or PCOS. Yes. Um, I'm investing in things like pillows and like the right tools and temperature play. Like this is like my area of like I start to like light up in a room. Um, but yeah, it's really fascinating to know that that your body is like so incredible and it moves. Mm. Um, I just think that's something that not everybody knows. And like I said, I'm not, I'm just, I've just learned myself. Um, but then um, I think like the biggest thing as well is like lubrication um, and our levels of lubrication often change. And this is like, again, because of our cycle and um, consistency of the cervical mucus. Um, but then also remember like to introduce lube as well. Like don't forget to use like lube as like, as any sex educator, you know, or follow will always like be a massive advocate for lubricant at all times. Um so yeah, I think that's like a really important thing to remember as well. And yeah, I think, you know, I think the best thing to do, and this is something I'm doing at the moment, is just to like track, track it, just track your period, track your cycle, understand where you are so you can understand your body better. So that pleasure is more, that sex is like more pleasurable for you because mm. 
from like probably like right up until I was like 26 years 26 years old so, like you know I was having sex since I was like 17 years old that's a long time to like not understand why sex was painful for me um and the mostly was down to me not understanding my cycle um so it's completely life-changing to better understand it so that you can have a better overall experience you can communicate to your partner um if you are in a relationship like okay this at this time I'm not really feeling it because it's not good it's gonna hurt I'm not feeling good in myself um and that's probably why and there's so many things you can add into that like you mentioned about toys and pleasure accessories you might call them um mm. and sexual positions is that I love to say with clients that the more you get to know your fertile and non-fertile or infertile times of your cycle and also what each phase of your cycle represents, the more you can actually tap into a broader vocabulary of sex. And, yeah. you know, I know a lot of women who are using natural contraceptive methods so no barrier methods, just following natural fertility, you could say, mm -hmm. and at, their focus is to not achieve pregnancy. So they're avoiding conception and they're like, dude, for me, anal is when I'm fertile. Like, I know there's a lot more room in there for, for a penis and toys, mm. et cetera. But, you know, I know that that's the one time of my cycle where I'm like, this is the best option. And I know that's going to make me feel more confident in roughly 10 days time instead of me being like, oh my God, is my period late? Fuck, am I pregnant? I'm not sure. So you start to use sex as a, as a positive tool to enhance your cycle awareness. And you can mm. do that vice versa too. And I find it so powerful because women start to go, oh, you know what? I've been meaning to explore that. And most of the time their intuition has given them, given them that thought, but they haven't yet had the permission to think that. Do you yeah. see that too? Oh, I love that. That's really nice. Um, yeah, I see that quite a lot. And I think it's, um, it's, really, it's really nice to remind people that just because you can't have like penetrative sex, like you said, like exploring other options. This is another thing that comes up in my coaching quite a lot is people are like, oh, I must have penis and vagina sex. Like that's the only, that's what sex means to me. I'm like, hang on a minute. Like intimacy and pleasure comes in all different shapes and forms. And there's so much to explore here. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been coaching people who have wives that are pregnant um, and navigating like sex around that. Um, you know, especially when the, the female doesn't want to have like penetrative sex. You know, there's other ways of like you don't have to completely cut off sex for the next nine months like there are other other ways to be intimate with each other like you said exploring anal um, other forms of touch other forms of intimacy that you know I guess there's that stereotype of like people think sex sex has to be penis vagina for it to be sex and pleasure right that's not true it shows up in many different ways and it's like pleasure is what you make it um and that's I think that's a really thing important thing to remember. Mm, and that pleasure comes in many shapes and forms. You know, it's mm -hmm. just like humans come in many shapes and forms and so can pleasure. Um, I love that, especially around pregnancy. I think that's a fantastic tool. And I think you can also apply that to, you mentioned endometriosis for yourself or anyone else who's got some kind of like, for example, fibroids or they've recently had surgery or there's yeah. so many avenues. But I think for so long, a lot of people have very, thought very linear around sex and mm. sexual experience and sexual expression. 
instead of going, hang on a second, there's a lot more. And it goes back to what you mentioned much earlier, Venus, around understanding your body. And, you know, we're not born with a Bible of like body Bible. This is what your body does. And this is what happens at each stage and phase of your life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, knowing your body as a, as a born female, whether you menstruate or not right now, is really powerful because you might then learn that post-menopause, your libido can skyrocket and Mm -hmm. people are scared of menopause. And I'm like, actually, it's got some really great benefits to it. And I think that the more we learn to understand our body, we can actually be more open with exploring the body. Um, What are your thoughts on that? 100%. And I think just to like take another note on that and like not drift off, but incorporate the fact that there are so many other things that affect our bodies and our desire for sex outside of like our cycle that we also need to make sure we're attuned to so you know many people think oh I'm not like I don't want sex because like I'm stressed or I don't want to do it because of this but there's so many other things we need to consider that you know might need investigating for you to move forward like you know what kind of medication are you taking you know thinking about you know for me along for a long time the pill was really affecting my sex drive and my libido and my desire for sex um so yeah I think you know we just need to remember that you you do really need to think of all aspects of your life and understanding it and tracking and like keeping a diary is so important like why was I feeling like this day oh okay maybe you know I had some wine that day maybe wine doesn't respond well to my body and you know sex or um you know this thing was happening at work or I'm not getting enough sleep or maybe exercise like there's so many things it's a lot like, you know, when, when I was le- learning all this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot to tell my clients, you know, oh, it could be this, it could be that. But that's that's the beauty of life. Like you have that ability to explore your body. Um, but just always, I think the main thing is to like, just, just be aware. It's that awareness, I guess. Once you start to realize you have that ability to, to understand your body, be aware of it, make notes, you can start to make changes. And it's never just one thing. A lot of us are like, well, mm-hmm. I've gained weight because of this thing. It's because I ate that cake. I'm like, well, maybe, but maybe mm-hmm. not. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a really beautiful point. And I think that there's so much opportunity for us to get to know our bodies better. And we don't have time to talk about it right now in this episode. Maybe we'll do another, but <laughs> the topic around libido and lubrication for those who are on hormonal forms of contraception is that you know, when you're on a hormonal form of contraception, your body's designed to not be fertile. And so because of that, your body's not producing fertile mucus and therefore you feel dry all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the male partner, if it was a heterosexual experience is like, how come you're so dry? Like, like you're not turned on right now. And actually that has nothing to do with whether you feel turned on or not. It has to do with the fact that your yoni has been numbed and, Mm -hmm. I could go on a rant right now, but I won't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been numbed. And so it's not allowed to have its full expression. And so it comes mm-hmm. back to that understanding all the elements of your lifestyle, not just how you feel sexually, but what you eat, your yeah, the sleep, the, the, the mood, the work, the finance, the pressure, the life, everything. So thank you for speaking to that. And I'd love to, you know, as we get closer to wrapping up, ask you a couple of final questions and one of those Venus is I'd love for you to share with our listeners that if they're feeling really disconnected 
connected with their libido and they're like, I just wish I had more libido. <laughs> Send me the libido mm-hmm. pronto, express mail. Um, what are the maybe three or five tips you would give to someone who's wanting to increase their libido levels? What can they do to start with? I think it goes back to what we were saying at the start of the episode about understanding how desire shows up for you. Um, so I think making a note of like, okay, I know I like these things, exploring that with somebody or with yourself and seeing if it really works or if it's something you, so I always say to like people and like my partner, especially when we want to try new things with each other, like we have this fantasy, right? I really want to have like a threesome or I really want to go to a sex party. But then when it comes to the actual moment of doing it, it's actually, I'm actually not really aroused by that thing. Actually, it was just a fantasy because maybe what society tells me I should want and need and what I'm missing out on. So I think it comes back to really making a note and um, understanding and exploring how desire shows up for you. You know, do I need, am I, I think, I really like to go back to the senses, like, you know, think about smells, touch, taste, um, what you're hearing. Um, So I think making like little notes about those things and really thinking about how desire is showing up for you. Um, Do you need to be touched? Do I need to be in complete darkness? Do I need to have something else incorporated? So, you know, whether that's like a kink or a fetish, like, do I really want water to be a part of this sexual experience? Do I really want toys? Um, I think it goes back to to basics and knowing what you want as an individual, I think. Mm, I love that. And when you talked about desires and using the senses, it's interesting because some people, and this is like a totally different topic, which we won't go into because we don't have time, but some people who love watching porn, they're like, I actually don't like watching it, but I like hearing it. Mm-hmm. And so that's a way I'm using that as an example for the listeners to, to learn what is my sense and what is, you know, the way I like to connect or what's really amplified. That's like, oh, actually that tasted really good um, yeah. or it felt really good. Um, what is it for you? So that's, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing Venus. I would love to just keep ranting with you for ages on these topics. It's so much fun. We do. Um, I'd love for our listeners to be able to learn a little bit more about your offerings and how they can find you so they can continue to learn more about this topic and also learn with you as you're exploring and growing through sexology. Um, how can they do that? So you can follow me on my Instagram, which is Venus Libido. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is the same, Venus Libido. Um, and I also, like you have mentioned, I offer sex and relationships coaching. Um, and you can head to my website, which is venuslibido.com. Um, and yeah, if you'd like to book some sessions with me, I'd be very pleased to help people um, through their journey, um, whether it's through intimacy, um, having intimacy with themselves, their relationship with their body, relationship with their partner. I'm here to help. Mm, Thank you for sharing. I will put all of those notes in our show notes and links. Um, I'd love to ask you a final podcast question before we wrap up. Okay. It's changing gears a little bit. So it's not necessarily about sex, but who knows, maybe it will be. Um, I want you to think back Venus to your younger menstrual self. So when you got your period for the first time at those early years of your life as a menstruator, what are three things you wish you had have known then that you now know today? Oh, three things. Okay. Okay. I, actually, the most important one 
pain is never normal, mm. um, especially debilitating pain um, if it's affecting. And when I say pain is never normal, I'm saying like, okay, so when you're on your period and you're experiencing like you cannot leave your bed, um, you cannot do your daily activities, um, you're you're passing out like that's not normal and you need to speak to somebody I wish somebody told me that a lot sooner um and potentially my endometriosis would have been a lot more manageable at an earlier age other than in my 30s um number two period sex is wonderful <laughs> um are we talking hang on, hang on I know this is quite young probably when I said my period of 13 and wasn't having sex but I'm saying that like I wish I knew that that's fine. Now go talking what, it back into sex. <laughs> whatever you wish you had have known. That's totally fine. I love that one. Okay. Um, just because I love period sex and people forget how wonderful it can really be, um, especially for pain. Um, and the third thing is I wish I tracked my cycle sooner. Mm. I so wish I, someone taught me. Someone taught, I wish someone taught me how to track my cycle sooner and to so it like, because it, like, it would just help me so much more in my 20s if I knew and understood why my body and my mind was doing certain things because of how my body was like changing throughout that month. So, yeah. And now you do know, which is amazing. I do know. Yeah. And I think that it's educators like yourself sharing that now and then partnering that knowledge with knowing about sex and your own sexual expression and sexuality and sexual being that it helps instill the, the importance of tracking your cycle. Cause that's really how you get to know your body. I feel it's one of the best ways. Mm-hmm. So thank you. These are beautiful, beautiful things that I wish I also had known at that age too. <laughs> um, so thank you Venus so much for being here and sharing all of your beautiful insights with us around libido and all the rants around sex. It's been so, so wonderful. And oh, it's been an absolute you. pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed myself and I just love talking about sex at any time. (laughs) Fantastic. We'll have you back. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.